0: If you have your copy of the scripture, turn with me to the book of Matthew, uh, Matthew's, Matthew chapter 5. i uh, going to be reading verses 3 uh, to 16 this morning. Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 3 to 16. Now, many of you um, know this is the, uh, the famous Sermon on the Mount that Jesus delivers, uh, which is, I mean, obviously gets that title because he delivered it on the Mount. He's standing on top of a uh, hillside delivering this message uh, to this huge crowd of people. Uh, and a wonderful uh, passage it is, and I, I challenge you to, um, uh, to read through all of this, uh, this passage, especially through uh, Matthew chapter 5 here, as um, this is, and 5 through 7 uh, is really Jesus' message here, and it's all about the kingdom of God, and he teaches uh, some wonderful things. In fact, um, other religions often look at this teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, as one of the greatest ethical teachings of all time. And uh, Jesus has become famous in some other religious groups as being a wonderful ethical teacher. Uh, But we know him as as far more than that. For Jesus is talking to us as our our Lord and Savior and how to be uh, more like him as part of his kingdom's work. So look with me in Matthew chapter 5, beginning verse 3. It says, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You were the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and to be trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In that same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now, most of you know by now I grew up uh, in in the United States. And uh, one of my favorite times of the year is the 4th of July. Um, now, the 4th of July is uh, the Independence Day. That's the time they celebrate uh, independence from, uh, from, from England and uh, the, the War of Independence, the, the, the winning of that, and the freedom of the country to become its own nation uh, by right. But I love it because it was a time when uh, we also had our family reunion. Now all of my dad saw the family, which was quite a large family, uh, well, at least there were there were nine kids in the family, and each of them had uh, several kids, and we would get together every year. There used to be uh, 50 or 60 people from the family, so cousins and second cousins twice removed or however all that worked, big family, and so we'd get together at my mom and dad's place, and we would have this great time of reunion and celebrating together uh, just really what it's what it's like to be... American. And so we, we sat around, we ate KFC, because we're from Kentucky, and we, uh, we sat around, ate our KFC, and we enjoyed the time of just food and time together. Uh, we always, every year, we would take um, a hike or a bushwalk on my mom and dad's property, and really just enjoy uh, the beauty of the country that, uh, uh, that we're blessed to grow up in. And every time, uh, my family, uh, as a, a Christian family, and we were blessed to sit around, I remember sitting around the campfire, Every year, and someone, one of the different uncles uh, would lead us, or my dad would lead us in a time of of devotion, and we would sing praises to God, thanking God for the freedoms that we have uh, in the country. Now, I I love that time every year of just being able to celebrate um, what we have and who we are and the freedoms that we have, because I think, um, especially now growing up and knowing more about some other countries around the world, uh, I think we don't realize how free we really are. And it's great to have opportunities to celebrate that, all right? And then I moved in 2004. I moved to Western Sydney, and I learned about Australia Day. And so the 26th of, of January every year, I love Australia Day. Now I know every year it seems like Australia Day is just stinking hot. It's like 40 plus day, and but we're out there anyway. You know we've got the, uh, the Aussie flag. You know the temporary tattoo. And all get, you get you've got to if you're from Western Sydney. You got to get a temporary tattoo of the. Uh, the, uh, or the Southern Cross tattooed on the back of your neck or whatever it means to be Australian. You've got to get out and you, uh, you go out and you've got to uh, go to something that has all the um, you know the rides and the shows and everything like that out in the, uh, in the blazing sun. You've got to have some meat pies and, uh, or some snags on the barbie and just really celebrate the freedom that we have and the food and the culture that we have and what it means to be Australian. And I think Australia should always involve... Uh, some people from the community, some some mates and some some family, and just getting together with family and friends and recognizing the freedom that we have and I love on Australia Day the, the fireworks because i don 't know what it is about fireworks, but to me it, it just says we 're celebrating like this is we are Australia and, and, and we 're celebrating who we are and what we have, and we are one of the most blessed nations in all the world by the world 's standards if you look at Uh, You know, financially, even the poorest people in Australia are among some of the richest people in the entire world. And sometimes I think it's good for us to have a day in which we just go, wow, we really do have it good. We really are blessed in in how God has provided for us and the freedoms that we have, and we need to celebrate that. Well, this passage in Matthew chapter 5 is actually talking some about celebrating who we are as the people of God. Taking time to reflect on what that means not to be an American, not what that means to be Australian, or Australian, or however you want to say it. Um, Aussie, there you go. My family still say, how do they say Australian or something? No, it's just not right. Yeah. I can't even say it. Say, I say Australian, and that's still not right. so uh, My wife still says I say it with American accent. So it's not the same. Uh, same as if I say good on you, she goes, no, that's not right. Yeah. <laughs> She says, just don't try to be Australian. Just be an American in Australian, that's fine. <laughs> um, I just got to give it up, yeah? So, but I, I found out I don't really belong anywhere anymore. I come here and they're like, oh, you sound like a Yank. I get accused of being Canadian sometimes or American, whatever that is. They so say, you sound like a Yank. And I go back home and they're like, yeah, you don't sound like you're from here anymore. So I kind of don't fit any place, uh, which is fine, uh, because part of what he talks about here in, in Matthew chapter 5 to 7 is about being involved in the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Now Matthew, if you look in Matthew's gospel, he always calls it the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the other gospels is called the kingdom of God. Same thing. Uh, Matthew, as, as typical uh, Jewish teachers, often didn't use the, the name God uh, because it was so holy and so reverent. So he called it the kingdom of heaven. Same thing. But he's talking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. What it means to be a Christian and saying, that is our citizenship, that is who we are. Uh, We're no longer just Americans, or uh, we're no longer uh, Australians. We are one in Christ Jesus, and what that means, and how we can celebrate that with our life, to to represent Christ in in how we live and what we do. Now, the Bible's view of being blessed is very different from how we see it. We see it as, well, we've got lots of food. If there's 30 snags on the barbie, we're fine. If there's, if there's plenty of KFC in the bucket, we're fine. If there's lots of food and family and fellowship, if we're, we're, we're okay as far as uh, the mortgage is concerned, or we're okay as far as our family's health, then we're really blessed. And we thank God for all these things, and he does just pour on the blessings. But the blessings that the Bible speaks of or often different terms than than we see on a kind of a worldly standard. It's not about financial success. It's not even about freedoms from government oppression or anything like that. It's even in the midst of all that we can be blessed. In the midst of hardship, in the midst of difficulty, as the world sees it, we can be a very blessed people. Now, I don't know about you, but some of you who have been around church circles for a while... Uh, may have grown up reading the King James Bible. Now, I grew up reading the King James Bible in in all the churches, uh, and when I first started preaching, it was always from the King James. So I always read the Beatitudes going, Blessed are those, okay? So if if you're one of the blessed are, uh, blessed are ye who do this, then that's fine. You're either blessed or you're blessed. It's the same thing, but sometimes I'll just clarify that. I may say blessed as I'm reading this, and you go, what's he talking about? Well, that's just that. It's just the tradition stuff. Um God looks at the condition of our hearts. He wants us to be blessed even in the midst of tough times. He wants us to be blessed uh, and to say you are blessed even if it seems like things are not going too well. In Matthew chapter 5 to 7, and I challenge you to read all of that this week, it just talks all about what it's like to be a follower of God and how to live that out in our life to represent Him. Now, I have found... No matter how much I may try to speak Australian, I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not a natural-born Australian. It just doesn't seem to work. I'm always an American, and so I just stand out where I am. I sound American. Uh, I act American, whatever. I'm, I'm just an American no matter where I am. And now i found, although I've lived in, only in Australia for, um, you know, since 2004, if I go around the world, I seem to represent kind of America and Australia. because people are like, oh, you speak weird. You speak funny. Where are you from? And i like, well, everybody asks that. Well, you're not just Australian when you think, when you want to be. You're not just Australian when you, you feel like it. Uh, you are American. You're Australian. You're whatever you are at all times. And we tend to, to not want to do that as Christianity. We tend to want to be Christians when we're in church and we, we're, we're, we're with other people who sing the songs and they love God and we want to be like Christ here, but when we're out in the world, we want to be just like everybody else. We're no longer Christian. And, and the Bible actually says, no, our citizenship is, is in heaven. We, our life is to be changed by God's grace so that we represent him every single day throughout all of life. And so it, it talks about here that we are, we are called to demonstrate God's character. And there's these wonderful passages here in, uh, in verses 3 to 11 that uh, that talk about how you're blessed by representing God's character uh, in the earth and not really ours now some of you may recognize you may have known from the past that uh, verse 3 and verse 10 um, which says, blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are those who are persecuted uh, each of those say um, you will uh, receive the kingdom of heaven now this is a uh, when he was uh, when when Matthew's writing this out uh, this is a, a term well it's just called bracketing but it simply means this is kind of this whole section is about the kingdom of heaven, what it's like to live as a people of faith. So the beginning verse and the ending verse of this section is all about uh, the kingdom of heaven to say that all these verses are about this. It begins by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, poor in spirit, uh, what it's talking about is not, we often think of the poor and destitute out on the streets. Uh, blessed are those who, who have nothing. But poor in spirit has nothing to do with actually being poor as far as finances are concerned. Poor in spirit is someone who recognizes that without God's grace, we are totally, we're totally depraved. We are totally uh, worthless without God's grace. There's nothing in us that is good enough to earn God's salvation. There's nothing that's good enough in us to win our way to, to heaven or to paradise. We are nothing without the grace of God. We are a sinful and a fallen people. And, and it, sometimes we need to be reminded of that. And, and to, to stay lowly in heart, as the Bible talks about, and to, have, uh, uh, to be poor in spirit is to recognize our, our lowly estate and our need for a Savior. Uh, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Again, this is not just about uh, blessed are those who uh, who cry? Blessed are those who who weep. Now some people just cry at the drop of a hat, don't they? Some people just they're criers, yeah. You know, I say good on you. I, I'm not a crier. I I can't cry sometimes if I really want to cry. I could actually be really really hurting inside, um, physically, emotionally, whatever. It's just not there. I'm not a crier. It's okay if you're a crier. It's okay if you're not a crier. I'm not a crier. Lindy and, Lindy and Allie do all the crying for me. They're, they're, they're wonderful at that. And uh, Lindy will just need to cry sometimes. And oh, Allie, she needs to cry. Just, you know, just, just go with her. They can cry together and it's wonderful. Uh, sometimes, sometimes criers just need to be held though and they need people who, can, who are not criers to be there for them. But it's not just saying blessed are those who are criers. I actually used to look at this verse when I was younger and go, why can't I do that? I'm obviously not blessed. I'm not blessed because I, I can't do that. I can't seem to, to cry and to mourn. And I think how wonderful it is sometimes to, for people to feel that emotion and be able to let that out like that. Sometimes it's a beautiful thing to cry for the right things. And actually, the Spirit is saying, not necessarily with the tears, but the Spirit should be where we mourn for the right things. Like, we should be upset over the sin in our our community, in our families. We should be upset over uh, the wrong and and the people who are are dying without the love of God. We should be hurt and we should be torn by that. We should be constantly recognizing things that are not pleasing to God which grieves our heart and grieves our spirit. Blessed are those who realize that they need a Savior. Blessed are those who are constantly looking to those things that are not pleasing to God and and they, they mourn. Those things, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are meek, which is very different from weak, uh, but those who who are humble and submissive to God in every way. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now, I often say I'm a Baptist, I'm a Baptist, and I love to eat. Uh, I love to eat and drink, and churches are great at having great fellowship meals and morning teas and all that kind of stuff. We love to eat, and sometimes In the Western culture, we can't wait for that next meal. I don't know how many of you have kids, but kids are always going, is it morning tea time yet? Is it afternoon tea time yet? Is it my third morning tea time yet? Whatever it is, they're always wanting more. And we, as adults, we don't like to admit it as much. We're the same way. We're always going, oh, it's got to be lunchtime. I'm I'm hungry. And uh, sometimes, thanks to uh, television ads, people move from being hungry to hangry, which is kind of hungry and angry because they're just getting angry because they're so hungry. Uh, and so if you go from hungry to hangry, we're like, all right, watch out. We've got to feed this person. We always, we're always hungering. We're always thirsting for more food. But how many of us hunger and thirst for righteousness? I want to hunger and thirst to know God more, to be filled more with Him. How many of us long for that? It says, blessed are you who realize that you need a Savior. Blessed are those who are mourning for those things that are not pleasing to God. You grieve those things which grieve God. Your heart is broken for those who do not know God and the things that break God's heart. And you hunger and thirst for His righteousness, to know more of Him and to be changed by Him. Blessed are those, blessed are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God blessed are those who are peacemakers for they will be called the sons of god blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed blessed are those who live like god now this is challenging because we often think of blessed as everything's falling into place oh wow we are blessed And we are so richly blessed as a nation. We're so richly blessed as a church. We're so richly blessed as a people. But God looks at blessings in that even when things are falling apart, you can be blessed. And he says you are blessed when you live like God, even in the midst of these difficulties. When you are are mourning, when you are, are persecuted, when you're going through tough times, as you're seeking to honor God, as you have that humble spirit before God, We are blessed. And we are blessed in that in every time here, he talks about how we are comforted and things we will receive. You're blessed when you're poor in spirit, when you're humble before God, submitting, recognizing your lowly state without God our Savior, because yours is the kingdom of heaven. Because as we recognize our need for the Savior, Christ Jesus is that Savior and comes to lead us in his kingdom. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. God will be with us every single step of the way in in even the most difficult uh, hours and days. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Now, have any of you... Well, you don't have to raise your hands or anything. This is just a rhetorical question. But has anyone received a big inheritance? No, I never have. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? You always see it in the movies, don't you? Someone just gets a letter from a solicitor from some long-lost auntie or uncle, and all of a sudden they've inherited millions of dollars. It happens in the movies all the time, so it must happen in real life, right? So surely it's happened to some of us. Um, I don't know. But maybe you've dreamt of of checking the mail, and you open that letter, and you go, oh my goodness. And you can't wait to run, and you talk to your spouse, and you say, remember Uncle so-and-so, whoever he is, Say so, well no well neither do I but apparently I have an uncle and he has given us millions of dollars, and we're blessed. Well, this this passage uh, about inheritance is very different from that. In that it's not a longing for something that'll never happen. It's not a longing saying well it happens in the movies so it must happen in real life eventually. This is something that we can count on. You can bank on these this inheritance coming through, blessed are those who are meek, who surrender completely to God. You're not always looking for that check to come in the mail. You're not always looking for that lottery ticket to come through. You know where your inheritance is. And we serve the King of kings and Lord of lords who owns the entire earth, all of creation. Millions is nothing to God. This God owns everything. And he said, blessed are you who submit to me completely. Blessed are you who are meek and, and lonely because everything will be yours. God promises a, a new heaven and a new earth far greater than this one and what we've ever known. That is, uh, It is here for those who trust in him. And blessed are you, verse 11, when people insult you and persecute you falsely and say all kinds of evil against you Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Those those who seek to honor God with their life, who seek to represent Him with our everyday life, will be blessed in far greater ways than this world could ever offer. We're challenged to represent God's character in our everyday lives. We are comforted by God's presence and that He provides for us as we submit to serve to Him, and we're challenged to share God's hope. Verses 13 to 16 has some great challenges. It talks, first of all, about we as the people of God, are to be salt. Now, that's weird, right? Why are we to be salt? Well, salt, in Jesus' day was considered one of the most precious commodities. You could have salt was needed all the time. Now, this is long before refrigerators and, and modern conveniences. People use salt to, to, or to, to cleanse the food and to preserve the food. Um, many of you may have eaten uh, cured ham before. I remember growing up on cured ham. And you think, that's weird. You just see this ham hanging in the shops. It's not in the fridge. It's not in the, uh, the freezer section or anything. Like that. It's just in a bag hanging in the shops. And this cured ham was the saltiest thing, saltiest ham you put in your mouth, but it's good stuff. Uh, it's good stuff, so try one if you get a chance. Uh, the, the, but I, I remember growing up going, okay, that makes sense. The salt uh, helps preserve the food. In Jesus' day, which was the, the entire area was controlled by the, the Roman Empire, the Roman soldiers are known to actually have been paid for their duties by salt. Now, you can imagine going to work and you're waiting on that big paycheck to come in and he comes with a big block of salt. and says, here you go, you've done well. But it's actually where there's an old phrase, uh, if if a a Roman soldier wasn't doing well in his duties, say, well, he's not with his salt. And some of you may have heard that that expression. It actually comes from the the Roman Empire in the days of Jesus when Roman soldiers were paid uh, by salt. It was also in their time... And it still is today in much of the Middle East. Salt is considered a sign of, of friendship, a sign of companionship. In fact, uh, there was salt in all of your food because that was what preserved the food. And if, if, you, if someone shared your salt, which meant they, they shared a meal with you, then you were bound to protect them and you were bound to look after them for all of their life. They were part of your family because they have shared the salt. Uh, and likewise, even an enemy... If you had an enemy in your home who shared your salt, meaning he shared a meal with you, you were bound to protect him and to care for he and his family uh, for all of their life. And yet it says, we are to be salt, but if if salt loses its saltiness, then what good is it? It would just be thrown out. Now this is where the the King James is a little more confusing. I think it says, you know, if, if a salt loses its saltiness, Wherein is it still salty? And you think, I don't even know what that means. But that's all it's saying is, if salt stops being salty, what is it good for? Now, this is interesting, I think, in that salt never stops being salty. So, salt in itself is always salt. But what it's actually talking about is, if you don't keep salt separate from other stuff, if you allow it to get mixed in with, with sand or with flour or anything else, it might taste close to what it was, but it will never do the same work. It can never be used, again, to preserve the food. It can never be used uh, for, for healing some wounds and some other things that salt was so precious for. Salt, if it's not kept as just salt, is, is worthless. It's, you might as well just throw it out and trample it on the ground. And so he's saying, this thing that you hold so dear, the pay that you've been working for, is just worthless. It's like getting all of your your life savings, your money, and the thing that that you need for all of your food and and for all of your welfare and just throwing it out on the ground and trampling it. Saying it's worthless if we don't keep it as just being salt and we don't use it uh, for its intended purposes to, uh, to heal and to preserve life. We are to be that salt in the community that keeps leading people Uh, to God that keeps showing them how we can have life, not just in this life, but eternal life with God, our Lord and Savior. But he says not only are we to be salt, but we are to be light. Now, we live in a world full of light. And it's wonderful. We've got lights in here. I've got other lights on me. They don't make me look any better, but they make me look brighter anyway. Uh, We've got lights everywhere. And we just live in a world where we're surrounded by lights. Now, I remember when I first moved from this little farm in the hills of Kentucky to Sydney, and I first visited Lindy, I couldn't sleep. I'm like, it is so bright here all the time. All night long, there's different street lights on and there's different things in Sydney. Likewise, when Lindy went to visit my mom and dad for the first time, she couldn't sleep because it was too dark. She's like, it is so dark here. You can't even walk around the house at night. You stumble over everything. It's so dark. And I'm like, I know it's wonderful. (laughs) It's so light here. It's too light. But this world in which Matthew is writing to in this first church, this is a world of darkness. There's not cities everywhere. There's not street lights. It is a world of almost total darkness at night. And when you're in total darkness, even the tiniest bit of light makes a difference it it lights the way now i remember going in in caves in kentucky kentucky has some of the the biggest caves in in the entire world and it's it's wonderful to go down in these caves but what what is amazing is if you get down in the kind of some of the darkest parts of the cave and then they say right we're all going to stop here we're going to stand here together so no one falls off any edges or anything now i want everyone to turn off the torches and when you turn off those torches, it is the darkest thing you can imagine. You literally cannot see the hand right in front of your face. It's just complete darkness. And I remember as a, as a teenager going in these caves, and one of the leaders walked on in the cave 300 meters ahead and put his torch on And in this cave, in that sort of total darkness, hundreds of meters ahead, the smallest of light made a difference. And the smallest of light, as it kept getting closer, just made the darkness, it it was still completely dark, I still couldn't see my hand, but it seems like the darkness was more bearable. And then as the light kept coming closer and closer, everything lit up. In the darkness. To show the way. And all of a sudden I could see my hand. And then I could see where my feet were to go. And we could see a way to where we knew we were safe. Here it says. In a world of darkness. Complete darkness. Which is sin in our world today. We need to be that light. We need to be the light. That in a world of total darkness. Even the little light that we have in us. You say. How What difference could I make? The littlest light. Makes the darkness a little more bearable. The littlest light. Can help. Light the way. And as we get all these different lights together as a church, we can start lifting God up and drawing people to Him. People are drawn. If you're in the darkness, you're drawn to the light. Your eyes start going to the light. You want to move to the light. There's warmth and there's comfort and there's peace in the light and knowing the way. And we are to be that for the world. We need to be proud to be Christ. Now, I'm, a prou- I'm proud to be an American. People say Americans are too proud to be Americans. I don't know if there's something about that, but I'm proud to be American. I'm proud to be Australian and to be part of this country. I'm proud of where God has blessed us to, to live and to serve. But we need to be proud to be Christ. We need to represent Him every day, to recognize that we're not just Christians on Sundays, I'm American everywhere everywhere I am, every day. I represent Australia everywhere and every day. And we celebrate that. We need to recognize that we do the same in our relationship with Christ. To live that out every day. We're blessed as we seek to honor Him with our lives every day as this church. Let's just pray. Heavenly God, I thank you and I praise you for who you are. And how richly you bless us. God, help us. To be people who honor you with our lives. Who are intentional about living closer and closer to you every day. Who are intentional about knowing you and your righteousness. May we hunger and thirst for you. And God help us to be salt. To be light. To make a difference in our community. To make a difference in our families. To represent you, God, in our everyday lives so that you, God, provide the healing, so that you provide the preservation, so that you provide the light and the hope and the peace and salvation as we just lift you up and allow people to be drawn to your amazing love, your amazing grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.